Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Go ahead and pray and get started. I'm Marty and, and uh, we'll get started tonight. So let's pray and uh, we'll be in the book of 1 John again, chapter 2 today. Father, we just thank you for who you are and just... Uh, want to thank you for the rain and we thank you for all these guys here in their service and and uh lord we just ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight that you be glorified lord that those who are here that know you lord that you would just confirm them in their faith and just give them that confidence uh who they are in you and lord if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know you that you would confirm that to them tonight and they would just come to you and ask you to forgive them and save them and come in their life and change them, Lord, and just do your work, Lord. Whatever it is you need to do in our hearts tonight, you do it tonight, Lord. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to be back in the book of First John. That's the one all the way near the back of the Bible. First, second, third John, and the book of Jude, and Revelation, and so we're going to see first John, and we're going to be in chapter two today, starting in verses 18, and try to get through verse 27, but if you remember anything about the book of first John, it's about really the fact that it gives these tests, there's the test of obedience, there's the test of truth, and then there's a test of love, and he just kind of keeps cycling through these tests. And so what he wants to do is he wants to encourage those who are true believers and show them, yes, you really are saved because in 1 John 5, 13, it says, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. Christianity is not a hope so faith. You know, you ask people all the time, are they saved? And they say, well, I hope so, or I think so, or I might be. Well, you know what? If you don't know, there's a possibility you could be saved. But you need to make sure because the Bible says whoever's believed has been saved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, what? Has everlasting life. Not will have. So eternal life is right now, right here today. I have eternal life. Dale has eternal life. And if you're a Christian, you have eternal life right now because it's not in a place in heaven. The Bible talks about going to heaven. And that's going to be great one day, and that's going to be glorious, and it's going to be better than we can even imagine. But the thing is, is I have eternal life now. And I don't have everything that God's going to give me, but I have joy, and I have peace, and I have abundant life in spite of the problem. In spite of the problems. I didn't say God fixes all our problems. And that's where people get all messed up. They think they want this fix me, feed me, heal me, Jesus. You know, that's what John talked about in the first book he wrote, you know, he he wrote that the people might be saved because they saw all the signs and he, and he talks about all the signs and all the people. Jesus says, you didn't seek me because, of, because you saw the signs. You wanted to know who I really was, but you seek me because you wanted to be fed. They were looking for him because he was healing them and feeding them and fixing them and doing all these things. They thought he was going to conquer Rome and, and uh, get rid of the Romans and be the new king, you know. But that wasn't why he came. He came to die on a cross. And right now, we are supposed to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow him. But he says, these things have I written that you may know that you have eternal life. 
And so he talks about that which was from the beginning in chapter 1. And he says, which we've heard, we've seen, we've touched, we've handled with our hands and our eyes have seen him. And he said, we've slept in the same place it is. We ate with him, we touched him, we handled him, we hung out with him for three years. And, and he taught us all these things and that which was from the beginning. He says, if there's anything new, you know, it doesn't hold true for everything else. But if it's new about the Bible, it's not true. Because the Bible says he believed believe in that which was from the beginning. And I don't think in 2,000 plus years and about six by the time it was all written or four or something like that, I forget exactly, 1,500 years before, about 2,000 since then. I don't think anybody's, I mean, there's new truths to be discovered and we don't understand them all, but there's nothing new in there. It's, it's been written and there's only one meaning in the scripture and that's it. And so the Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness that man of God might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so he says that Jesus, that the message is, is Jesus is light, he's holy, he's pure, he's righteous, and in him there is no darkness. And he goes on to talk about these we-sayers, you know, if we say we have no sin and if we say we've not sinned and if we say we have never sinned these people say well what's sin what's that well I used to do that or I've never done it before you ever heard anybody say that before I run across one person they said I've never sinned before and I was like whoa the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God you know <laughs> and so then he goes on he says but if we ha but if we do sin he wrote these things that we may not sin, but if we do sin, we have an advocate, right? We got a Jesus Christ who's in heaven, who's praying for us, who loves us, who paid for all of our sins, right? Not just, a, a, I mean, we weren't even born. He paid for the past, the present, and the future. And that's not a license to go sin if you're a Christian. The Bible says, and that's what John's going to say over and over again, that if you're a true Christian, you want to clean your life up. You will confess your sins. One guy said it like this, continual confession characterizes Christians. Continual confession characterizes Christians. In other words, if you're a Christian, you're going to be upset over your sin and you're going to confess it. If you're really a Christian, true Christians purify themselves. They get rid of the sin in their lives. And yeah, we're going to mess up still. Yeah, we're going to have those sins that hang around and beat us to death and we beat them for a while and then they beat us for a while and then we keep you know we keep fighting with them and stuff like that but he says we go to God and confess those and he forgives us and and it's just about the relationship it's not about salvation and losing that and then he talked about that we know that we know him if we keep his commandments he talked about the obedience factor and those that say they keep they know Christ and don't keep his commandments are liars right and he says, I write a new commandment, don't write a new commandment. It's an old commandment, but it's a new commandment. And the new commandment is to love one another as I've loved you, right, basically. So to love like Christ loved. And he says, if you hate your brother, you're in darkness until now. And then he talks about spiritual levels of growth. You got children, and then you got young men, and then you got fathers, right? And the fathers are the ones who are really deep in the word and they know the Lord and they have this deep intimate knowledge of God and 
the young men are winning the battles and they know the scripture and the children are those that just all they know really is well I'm a Christian and I know the father and that's about it right and then he goes on to talk about don't love the world or the things in the world and and all that's in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world and the lust of the world is passing away but whoever does the will of the father abides forever right he says, don't love those things. You can enjoy the things of the world. You can enjoy the things God's given us, but don't, but don't love those things. You know, anything that we love more than God becomes a what? An idol, right? That's an idol. Anything we sacrifice to or for. It could be a family or a child. It could be a job. It could be a career. It could be anything. Anything that we put over God becomes an idol. And so he talks about that. He says, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. And then today we're going to look at the test of truth again. And he talks about these, these antichrists. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 to 27. I want to just read this for you and then we'll go back and talk about it a little bit at a time. He says, little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either, but he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, you will also abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised to, to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointed anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So let's talk about three things. The first one is the unbelievers depart from the faith. Unbelievers don't believe in the real Jesus. And the unbelievers don't. They try to deceive the true believers. So the first thing we'll see is he says little children. He's talking to these believers in Christ. And he says it is the last hour. Remember Jesus said it was the last days, right? And the way things are getting now... You know, a lot of people think we're in the very last of the last days, right? The last hour. It's been the last hour since John was there. That's 2,000 years ago about. So it's definitely got to be the last days now, right? The last hour. And so things are getting crazier and crazier every day. We don't know when the Jesus is coming, but it could be right now in the middle of this message. It could be tomorrow. It could be 200 years from now. We don't know. Or 2,000 years but we know he's coming again. The old song says, coming again, coming again. Maybe morning, maybe noon, maybe evening, maybe soon, but he's coming again, right? I wish I could sing and sing it for you, but uh, you don't want me to. Anyway, he says, little children, it is the last hour, and you have heard 
that the Antichrist is coming. And this is the capital A, if your Bible has that in there, is a capital A Antichrist. And I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know what your background is. But I believe that, that there's going to be a, a seven year, there's going to be a rapture of believers. I believe that the ones who are, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, there'll be a voice, a shout, the trump of God, and the voice of an archangel. And the dead in Christ will rise. And we who are alive and remain, We'll be caught up there to meet him, and so shall we ever be, right? And that's the rapture, what we call the rapture. And one day, he's going to bring those believers up out of the grave, and then those who are still alive are going to go up, and then there's going to be a seven-year tribulation somewhere after that. And there's going to be an Antichrist, capital A, Antichrist. Y'all heard of the 666, the man, man of sin, and he's going to rule and reign. He's going to make a treaty with Israel. He's going to do all these things, and then he's going to break that treaty, and then he's going to set up this thing in the, where the Jews worship, and you're supposed to worship that. If you don't, you'll die. you got to take the 666 mark, or else you, you can't buy or sell or do anything. And this is a seven-year period of time. And at the end of that seven-year period of time, Jesus comes again, and there's this great battle, and he wins it all and destroys all these people. And Well, actually, there's a thousand-year reign, and then, there, <laughs> then that happens. I missed that part. So anyway, uh, then the big battle comes. But anyway, the bottom line is, is there's this big A Antichrist who's going to deceive the whole world and say, worship me and and if you don't, you can't buy or sell or anything else. And those who worship him will be lost forever. And so then he says, even now, many antichrists have come, by which we know it is the last hour. And this is the little a antichrist. In other words, antichrist means they're just people against Christ, right? They, they hate Christ. They're against Christ. I mean, you don't hear anybody going around, running around saying, I curse Buddha and I curse Muhammad. I curse this, this person, this person, and all these other people that they say they worship. You don't hear them cursing that. But who they always cursing? Jesus Christ, right? I don't hear anybody cursing anybody else, any of these so-called religions or these heads of religions or anything else. But they're always cursing Jesus Christ or God. And so they're cursing. But he says he's antichrist. They're the little eight people. These are the people who are against Christ. And, and they, he says, many have come. And they're still here today, right? He says, by which we know it's the last hour. Because soon as Jesus came, I mean, they, there was antichrist when he was there, right? Who put him on the cross? The antichrist, right? All those Pharisees, all those people. One day they said, crown him, crown him. Three days later they said, crucify him, crucify him. They wanted a king, and he didn't, he didn't deliver, so they, they crucified him. And so they killed him, but he had to die for our sins, right? And so he says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest or evident that none of them were of us. And so, first of all, false believers depart the church. I don't know if you ever known. I think I told y'all that story the last time about the guy. And, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of those stories. But, but, you know, people that you hang around with maybe and you've seen them in the church for years and they, they look like they, man, they look like they they right there with everybody else just 
you know, worshiping and doing all stuff. All of a sudden, one day they disappear, and you, you see them out there, and they're out there running the roads and doing everything they used to do, right? And no matter what you do, you can't get them back into church. The Bible says in, in Matthew 18, 15 to 17 that you confront a person like that. You go to them in sin, and you confront them, and if they don't do it, you take a brother with them, and if they don't come back, then you take it for the whole church, and then if they don't come back, then you kick them out of the church, right? And that's not being mean, it's just saying you're not, you apparently aren't a believer because you won't turn from your sin. And that's the most loving thing you can do, because if you continue to fellowship with them and act like they're okay no matter what, then, then they're never going to realize that they need to come to Christ and turn from their sin. And they may not anyway. They just may continue to go down that road and just never turn back. But that's what he's talking about here. These people that go out, he says they went out from us because they were not of us. And that doesn't always happen. A lot of times, you know, Jesus said in the parable, the, the, the wheat and the tares, he said, you know, that, that somebody comes and sows the tares amongst the wheat. And he says, the people said, well, do you want us to tear the pull those tears up and he said no you might pull up the wheat you know and you're going to be pulling up so you know we're not we're called to be fruit inspectors but we can't always tell when somebody's really real or not right some people look so real we'll never know this side of heaven or hell whether they're real or not they, they go to the grave we might still think that guy's a christian and then we find out Get to heaven he, he i don't know if we'll miss them or what but 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 they won't be there right Somebody said we'd be surprised at those that are there, and we'll be surprised at those that aren't there, right? So anyway, the bottom line is, is he says they went out because they were not of us. I don't know if it's true. I mean, one man estimated that about 72% of the people in the church are not real believers. And that's why you have so many problems in the church. That only about 28% of the people are real, true believers, and if you figured out how many people are actually working and helping and doing stuff, then that's probably pretty close to being accurate. And a lot of people have agreed with that number. And, you know, it doesn't always hold true for every church. But somebody said if the rapture occurred, that only about 28% of the people would be gone out the church. The rest of them be sitting there going, where'd everybody go? And that rapture one day is going to happen and there's going to be people riding, flying in the plane and, and all of a sudden that plane's going to be crashing because the pilot's a Christian. That bus is going to crash because that driver's a Christian. And plane, planes and trains and everything's going to be going crazy because, you know, there's going to be Christians flying and doing all kinds of stuff, running stuff, and all of a sudden they're going to be gone. And nobody's going to be in control of that, whatever they were controlling anymore, and it's going to go bad, quick. So he says these people go went out because they were not of us, but they went out that it might be made evident that they were never of us. He's comforted them by the fact that telling them, you know, these people sometimes they show by who they are. They show who they really are because they leave the church and they begin to live that life, go back to living like the devil like they used to live. And like I said, you know, if somebody's a true Christian, yes, we can fall, and yes, we can go back into sin, and yes, we can fall down to the place we were at, and maybe even worse. But, but if we're really truly saved, I believe we either come back to the church when people speak to us, or, or you know, God gets a hold of us and disciplines us. I told y'all before about Corinthians, it says that some are weak, and some are sick, and some have died. 
you know, God will, God will take you home and, or he'll take you out to the woodshed if you belong to him. You know, he, he, don't, he just don't let his children live in sin just like we wouldn't, right? And you know that child over there is messing up and you wear him out and that don't work. And then you say, son, if you don't straighten up, I'm taking you home. And that's happened to us. And that's what God will do. He'll take them, take them children home. You, you ain't going to straighten up. I'm just taking you on out of here. You miss out on the rewards. And, but those that know, don't know Christ, they leave. And that's the crucial point that you know these people aren't truly saved. That's the defining thing. But see, nobody ever loses their salvation. They just look like they were saved. You know, there's counterfeit everything out there, right? Counterfeit money, counterfeit Christians, counterfeit Christ, counterfeit things that are valuable. People people want to counterfeit, right? They don't they don't counterfeit junk stuff, do they? <laughs> they counterfeit valuable stuff. But he says, "But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things." This could say, "And you all know." In other words, he says. You've got an anointing from the Holy One. In other words, if we're true believers, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. I don't know if you know all that, but Romans 8 9 says, If anyone does not have the Holy Spirit in him, he is not his. Some people talk about getting the Holy Spirit later, but Ephesians 1 13 and 14 says, The moment you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, you heard the word, you believed the truth, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the damn payment, the earnest money for, that has been given to us until the redemption of the purchased possession. In other words, God gives us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring because we are the bride of Christ if we're Christians, right? A man might say he's going to marry a woman and he might give her a ring and want it back or just leave her with it if he's whatever just don't want to be bothered because he bought a cheap one but you know what God if he gives us the Holy Spirit he's not going to take that Holy Spirit back right and that shows we're real and so he says here we have the Holy Spirit from God and we we know not all things but we all know in other words we we know the truth in other words right he says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. So in other words, he says, you true Christians, you know what the truth is, right? You know what the truth is. You know what it is. You believe the truth. You know the truth. That's how you get saved, right? John 8, Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you shall know the truth and the truth shall what? Set you free, right? It's the truth that sets you free. It's not living any way you want to, but it's the truth that sets you free. People, well, I'm free. I'm going to do anything I want to. Yeah, you're enslaved to that drug, that alcohol, that depression, that bitterness, that anger. You're the enslaved to that relationship, that whatever it is, you're enslaved to it. You know, like the guy told me one time before, I used to want to do this because it was fun, and now I just have to do it because I'm addicted to it. But we call them, you know, bad habits or addictions. But Jesus said he came that we might have life and life abundantly, and he came to set us free. So he says, no lies of the truth. I'm 
Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.